Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. Again, my name is Jeffrey Davis. Sorry about that little hand on my face. I had to put my glasses on. Uh, and we continue to stream stories of entrepreneurship, leadership in this economy and how people are dealing with things. Our next guest, Michael O'Neill, president of Ethos. Welcome, Michael. I've read your bio. Quite an interesting character you are. <laughs> oh, um, that's what my mother says. That's uh, <laughs> that's what my mother says, too. It's an interesting take. We could be brothers from another mother. Maybe, maybe. So tell us first about Ethos, and then I know I want to get into some of your triathlon stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, Ethos is really just the the overhead company for um for the event business that we that we own and operate and the the word ethos is the characteristic of spirit of a culture or a community and that is really um you know kind of reflects what we're doing people sometimes ask me professionally what i do and i say that i'm in the shared human experience business and we create shared human experiences and in this case um uh, triathlons, um, and uh, most especially the Columbia Threadneedle Investments Boston Triathlon is uh, is our major event, uh, annual event in the city of Boston. So, you know, I'm going to use a concept from one of my childhood cartoons that so we're going to put you in the Wayback Machine and uh, Great. give you a sense of how you evolved, who you were, and how you sort of, what led you up to all of this stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I was, I've always been a lifelong athlete, um, and um, I was a Division One soccer and, and hockey player. I know you're uh, half Canadian or dual citizenship, so you hopefully. But I played that. hockey five times a day growing up. Great, I still play. Um, and um, and then after college, I started uh, doing distance running and uh, bike racing, and then I kind of threw in the swimming. I had some some friends that were doing triathlon, so I started racing. Um, I would say regularly, but not seriously. I, I was, you know, tried to be as competitive as I could be, but competitive with myself, um, and something that I was doing with my friends through that process. Um, uh, you know, I was working professionally as an investment manager and, um, I was a portfolio manager for 17 years and I was part owner and a registered investment advisor. We managed $600 million, mostly institutional money, some high net worth individual money. And, um, and uh, I was doing the racing on the side and I had a friend make the Olympic team in triathlon. And I told her she should get an agent and she didn't know any, and I didn't know any. And um, I had friends, a friend of mine uh, by the name of Jeff Johnson named Nike, Nike. He's the first employee uh, with uh, with Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman uh, in the Nike story. And um, through those connections, I got to the track and field guys and I ended up getting this woman a deal with Nike. And um, and she asked me to be her manager or agent. And so it was, I don't know, one of the original side hustles, I guess. I, w I was just kind of thinking of it as, you know, a side hustle and just trying to help a friend. And then I mentored another kid into the sport and he won a world championship and went to the Olympics. And next thing I know, I was, um, uh, I was an agent to some of the best Olympic and triathlon uh, racers in the world. And that was just sort of unintentionally. But doing that, I developed um, relationships with large companies that I was doing 
sponsorship deals with them. And I was he- hearing the same thing from different CMOs, chief marketing officers all the time. They said, we want access to this customer because they're they're focused on their health, they're focused on their wellness, they're well-educated, they're affluent oftentimes. And whether it was um, a consumer-facing brand or, or a health insurance company or a hospital, they wanted to talk to this audience, but they kept saying it wasn't there, it wasn't professional enough. It wasn't organized enough. These races were gaining popularity. I was looking around. My regular friends were wanting to do a marathon, wanting to do a triathlon, wanting to get a bike, wanting to do the Pan Mass Challenge. You know, not just serious athletes. And I, you started seeing all these health and wellness trends coming together. And so I brought the concept of doing this on a larger, more professional scale to a private equity firm in California. And, um, that, um, they loved the idea, but there wasn't anything big enough. So the thesis was right. Like there wasn't anything big enough yet for them to sink their teeth into. Um, so I decided to do it myself. And, and, um, so I've got a couple of, uh, triathlons and working on those. And, uh, a year after I began working on this stuff, um, the large target that we wanted came up and I worked as an advisor to the private equity group. I was on the deal team. Uh, I was the sole industry advisor. I sat in on investment committee meetings and my background like yours, which is really varied. I, I was able to bring a lot to the table because at this point I was an investment guy. I was the end consumer racer. I was an agent with commercial and sponsorship contract contacts, and I was an actual operator. So I had operating experience in the industry that they were looking to acquire properties and that was an 11 month process. And that, you know, they said, if we're successful, we want you to help run the company. And I said, well, everything but that is is good for me. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this small entrepreneurial thing with these small races that I have and I want to make them bigger. And especially Boston, Boston needed to have a world class triathlon and they didn't at this time. And I said, I don't want to move to San Diego. I don't want to become a corporate drone. I don't want to be just dealing with the business side of this for a 250 person company. Um, and, but I can be an advisor and if you're okay with that and if we can do a non-compete and they said, great. So that's, that's what I did. And, and, um, since that transaction, more professional money has, you know, private equity and venture guys have gotten interested in the, the race space as a business. Ironman is, you know, was purchased by the, the, the media company that owns, I think, Condé Nast and Vanity and Discover for $750 million. Um, and these businesses are now being run like businesses. And um, on our smaller independent side of things, that's what we're trying to do with the Columbia Threadneedle Investments Boston Triathlon. And um, and so from, from a background standpoint, whenever sort of big kid money comes into the space and wants to look around and invest. I, my phone usually rings for some sort of consulting gig where I can help them understand the good from the bad, from the, what you'd want to do and what are some of the key components to it and what are the challenges around running these businesses. Um, and so that's, that's where I am. I mean, I'm, I think this, this will be our 15th year for Boston and I'm sort of in the fourth or fifth inning, if you will, in my vision for where this race can go. Um, and it, it's been exciting, but it's been, it's, it's been so entrepreneurial as, as you know, like doing everything. Uh, I have a couple of comments for you, uh, because I was listening and taking notes. Uh, first of all, you know, there's 
different paths to entrepreneurship. And uh, what I like about yours is it wasn't that you were sort of grew up in an entrepreneurial family. You may have. It wasn't that you had that ambition. It was more the natural evolution of who you really were that led you to what you do. And I like that better. I sort of feel that way myself, that what I do for a living, it didn't start with an ambition. It really started with trying to find a match to my skills. And when you match your skills up, I think it just becomes the natural extension of who you are. And so I really like what you said, because it sounds like it's just a natural extension of who you really are as a person. You're able to do it for others because you've been able to do it for yourself. But in the future of the industry, you mentioned future. What does the future look like? So the the future is that the reason there was no world class triathlon in Boston, for instance, was it's it's very challenging to to put on a world class global event with the amount of things going on that a triathlon has going on. You are you have to have clean water, which we have at Carson Beach. You have to have a lot of uh, places to park for a large event. You need to be able to have space to rack bikes where, where athletes put their bikes be- when they, you know, when they are waiting to go out on their bike, you need to have the ability to close roads, city and state roads, um, in a major urban center that is known as a sports town, but always has something going on. If you look at the calendar, the easiest way to find out if anything's going on at, in Boston is to look at the hotel rates. Because the hotel rates, when they're up, you're like, oh, there's a convention going on. There's a Red Sox game. There's a Patriots game. There's a Bruins game. You know, there's something going on. And there's always something going on in Boston. Um, and so um, having the ability to bring the the skill set together to, to pull these complexities together makes a lot of the traditional race directors shy away. I mean, we have 50 permits for the Boston Triathlon. 50. Five zero. I think we have 11 stakeholders. These are people that we are um, responsible to, whether it's the city, whether it's um, within the city, there's a whole bunch. There's the parks division, there's the police, there's EMS, there's all those stakeholders there. And then what a lot of people don't know is, is half of Boston is run and owned and controlled by the state. So our beach is DCR, Division of Conservation Recreation. And uh, our our bike path is is state property and our run course is city property and our athlete village is in city property, a quasi city, you know, controlled part, which is Boston Teachers Union parking lot. And having the ability to understand how all these pieces fit together, um, having the ability to make commitments, always do what you say you'll do. Um, is is important. And then that's just the logistics of pulling it off. If you don't have the understanding that these events can be a platform and a force for good, you're really missing the boat and you won't be successful in the areas that you really disrupt things. So um, having to know that your race, when you close a road down, you're disrupting the residents, you're disrupting businesses, you're disrupting in citizens in there. And and in exchange for that, you have to be a good community partner. You have to talk to those residents. You have to make sure that you're doing things using the race's media platform, fundraising platform as a force for good. Like, for instance, our charitable partners, Boston Medical Center. We've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Boston Medical Center and a dozen other charities that are primarily in the smaller charities are focused on kids. 
and trying to get kids active, trying to get kids access, um, teaching. We have a great joint partnership with the city of Austin called Swim Safe Boston, where we're teaching kids in Boston how to swim. And it ends up being a lot of kids in underserved neighborhoods that don't have a lot going on. And in America, according to the CDC, a black child is eight times more likely to drown than a white child because they never learned to swim. You know, we've sort of run out of time and I'm going to have to ask you to come back again. I really appreciate what you're doing. I believe that people should be in shape. I run my own marathon triathlon where I, you know, I bike and I play tennis and then I kayak and swim and then I pass out. Passing out is the most important part of the whole thing. The little it's nap. Recovery. Yeah, <laughs> the little nap at the end. Uh, but I really appreciate uh, what you did. I grew up in a generation where exercise was, you know, the emphasis. There weren't computer games. There weren't cell phones. It was get out of the house and run around and exercise. So we appreciate, Michael, you're being on. But if somebody wants to know about you, more about you and Ethos, how do they find you? I think the best thing, the easiest website to go to is bostontritri.com. And that'll link through to everything and get in touch with me directly. Uh, my contact information is there in the about area section. And then, um, you know, I can provide whatever additional information folks well, might need. I want to say bravo to you. I'm glad you're following your natural skills. I think what you're doing has great benefit to people. There's nothing like exercise. And uh, I hope that millions and tens and hundreds of millions of people take your lead. And we hope to see you again on Radio Entrepreneurs. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. I appreciate you taking the time. Great. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back on Radio Entrepreneurs.